0: It's always a nuclear bomb!
1: Welcome back to another episode of Exposing Ourselves. I'm Travis Ritchie, and this is episode 16. This is the show where we expose each other to new things. Matt, a big music fan, will assign me one of his favorite albums or playlists to listen to each week, and I, a movie buff, will give him one of my favorite films, and we come together on this podcast to discuss it all. And with me, as always, is my good friend... Matt Runquist, Hey Travis.
0: This week we are going to watch the movie Mission Impossible for Ghost Protocol and listen to Dua Lipa. Yes, we abs absolutely
1: are. And I'm yeah. happy. Um this is uh this is one of the things I've been leaning leaning up to uh preparing for, gearing up for. Gearing up for. I like gearing. Point. Yes. There we go. Trying to get us to this point, uh, regardless. And um, wow, so uh, how have you been? It's been an interesting week. It feels like a long time since we've talked. It does feel that way. yeah okay. it,
0: for sure for not sure it's me uh it's uh it's going well over here the big thing that i wanted to talk to you about is actually not me related but i finished reading that book caging skies by christine leonins that is the uh-huh. book that jojo rabbit is based on
1: oh yes and
0: i don't want to have a big discussion about it because you haven't read it but i will say this I have no idea how Taika Waititi decided I'm gonna make a comedy out of this book. Wow, really? Yes, the tone of the book. I mean, there are a couple of funny moments in the book, but uh-huh. uh, spoiler alert for Caging Skies. By the way, if you ever thought mm, I'm gonna I'm gonna read the book that JoJo is based on, but I think we'll just have a blanket
1: spoiler alert on our show all the time. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Blanket spoiler alert. Um, the book is about. So the movie basically stops about halfway through the book, and are wow. so you're not going to read it. Here we go.
1: Probably not. It's not no spaceships in it. So
0: JoJo keeps her captive for
1: years after the war. Wow, really?
0: Yeah, and it's it's ugly. It's oh yeah, no. It's, yeah, oh, it's bad.
1: Please stop yeah. talking about it now. Yeah. I don't want to hear yeah. anything more. I don't want yeah. that little boy to be. <laughs>
0: yeah, so sullied. he's he's like at the beginning of the war. He's like twelve. At the end of the war, he's like seventeen. Uh, uh-huh. And yeah, and there's there's extra characters. There's I mean, like I totally understand that, but the so it's like Taika Waititi got the germ of World War Two hitler youth girl trapped or girl being saved by his mother like he took that that shell of a story and then went in a completely different direction with it and was like none of the rest of this because it's honestly like he basically imprisons her in the home yeah it's wow okay okay Really well, uh, that is a, so, a
1: both a spoiler alert and a trigger warning, and yeah. uh, all those things. Right, I was a, uh, just I a was... red flag alert to avoid. Um, yeah, I think reading that book. I started reading um, Dan Brown's latest, which I think is a, a couple or few years old already. Uh, I don't even remember what it's called. I, I, I was looking. I don't know what I was looking at, and somehow I, I was looking at my maybe my. Um, uh, my purchases or my whatever on, on, on Amazon. And it turned out that I have owned my Kindle paperwhite for 10 years. I got like oh, wow. one of the first generation paper whites and I got it because at the time my reading habits had gone down quite a bit and I needed, because I bought an iPhone that could watch Netflix in bed. And so I'd stopped reading. And so I was like, well, how do I make reading convenient again? Or, or more so, I guess if it was, can i regain my reading passion if it is more convenient and easy and so i was like oh this paperwhite looks like an interesting thing and uh, and i bought it and it really did work and i love reading on the kindle and so but i've owned it for 10 years and it's a little laggy a little slow and i was like well i'm sure a 10 years on version of the paperwhite will be uh, much more exciting to read on and um and they had it on sale, so it was it was a hundred bucks. They had a twenty percent off deal, deal and a twenty five dollar trade in for my old Kindle. So oh, I, nice. I got to upgrade to the new one for like fifty bucks. And uh, it it really is kind of amazing how oh, much better it, it looks. Oh, is it worth
0: it? Oh, I was it was, I was definitely worth fifty bucks. Okay, I was wondering because I was worried that it wasn't because I know I had uh, one of the original, uh, not original, original like second or third generation Kindle e ink. Mm-hmm ones before the paper whites um but also before the advertising
1: (laughs) yeah oh yeah yeah you know what i don't particularly mind the advertising because it's not it doesn't pop up while you're reading it's just kind of on the standby screen yeah i don't mind it either but i just
0: i had one without it um and i i loved that but uh, so is the paper white is that e-ink you can read it without a backlight
1: yeah, it's E-Ink. Uh, so yeah. here's a couple things about... Uh, I, I I was thinking about doing a review on this one because there are two things I don't like, but everything else I do like. Uh, it is faster. It's much more responsive. The screen is faster, and it looks so much better. Like, it's crisper. It, but there are two things. They, they seem to be really excited about the flush screen. Like, the bezel is flush with the screen. And I have found already that that causes me to make more uh accidental touches to Mm. the screen and like change the page when i don't mean to and uh, secondly the screen is uh glarier now i'm showing it to Mm. you you can't uh, our viewers can't see it but the the surface of the screen is glarier i would show you my old one but i've already sent it in boxed it up to be sent back in um but that's just one little one little nitpick. Uh it is USB-C which is nice. That's a nice I mean everything should be nowadays but um I don't know why I was surprised to see that that it wasn't USB like micro USB or whatever the old one was but anyway. Um but I'm glad I upgraded. And uh the book I'm reading is Origin um Dan Brown's Origin which I'm about 5 chapters in and it seems to be kind of regular for him like it's it's Dead. like Religious versus book. atheists, and and like the mystery therein, and uh, and some sort of like I don't know quite what the big mystery is going to be yet. We haven't revealed that much, but um, it's very heavily a religious like like you know oh this will change religion forever, and, uh, nice. and I'm sure someone's going to get killed, and then and then Robert Langdon has to go on some mystery uh, adventure. So that's interesting. I'm um, happy for Dan
0: Brown that he's just
1: chugging along doing his thing. me you know? too. you know what I enjoyed I enjoy his writing i've re- I've read all the Robert Langdon books and a couple of his other ones. I thought um uh, the one he did uh, uh Inferno was a really good book, and uh the movie was not as good. Uh, I watched it, and it was kind of disappointing, even though it was a you know Tom Hanks directed by Ron Howard thing. Uh it just wasn't very good, but okay. um I did have I was telling you before the uh before the recording started that I had to do a clean install of the operating system on my iMac and mm-hmm. uh which is not super surprising. I bought this thing in in 2019 and it has traveled the world with me. I I bought it to I brought it with me to Japan or actually I had it shipped ahead of time to Japan and then brought it back with me in my luggage cuz at the time I couldn't you couldn't ship anything from Japan. You couldn't send a birthday card from Japan to the United States because of the pandemic. So I had to pack this giant 27-inch iMac in my luggage and bring it back with me. So it's been through a lot. It went to Nashville, it came back to LA with me, but something along the way has caused it to be laggy. Um there was a thing where my trackpad wasn't reading unless I had it plugged in and uh so I was like, "Okay, let's do a fresh install." And I was really worried about the hassle of doing that, but I will give Apple some credit here because they have done something with iO with macOS where that the operating system is now separate from your data and settings and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like when you do a clean install, you're actually mm-hmm. doing a clean install, but when you restart, all your settings and, oh, and wow. files are still in place. So that's it's not really like impressive. when we were when we were young and we would you know reinstall windows ninety five oh, or whatever and you had yeah. to replace every you had to reinstall every yeah. program all that stuff that's not the case anymore that's
0: incredible Which
1: shocked me yeah i mean it's really it's really
0: nice, you know. Uh, privacy concerns aside it's really nice to like buy a new phone and log into your google account and just everything pop i mean i i'm an yeah. android guy right but like yeah, yeah, and yeah. i'm sure it's the same way with signing it's the same with Apple, iphone and
1: icloud you yeah know, you, and everything uh...
0: populates like you you know you used to like dedicate a half a day to setting up a new phone and now it's yeah. just like sign in and wait for it to download and you're good right you know?
1: Yeah. And I do like uh, the, I mean, and the thing that that's done for me is gotten rid of anxiety about losing my phone, right? My phone now is literally just a device. It, it yeah. represents no, no long-term loss of creativity or, or, or information or the things that can't be replaced, right? Yeah. All that's just kind of in the cloud and backed up in a couple different places. And, you know, I really like that. So, yeah. No, um, for sure. Uh, otherwise this week uh, interesting week I had another UCB class I feel like oh gosh oh here's the interesting thing I did this week I was hired I think I could talk about this because they didn't make me sign an NDA or anything but I was hired to uh, so in my acting group someone posted hey uh, does anybody can anybody do like a Charlie Chaplin look or whatever and I'm like yeah, I look enough like Charlie Chaplin with a bowler hat and a, and a little mustache um, uh, that I could probably pull it off for something. And I said yes. And, the, and then the, the next answer, the next question was, "Do you have any photography experience?" And I was like, "Yes, I do, quite a bit. Uh, I'm a decent photographer." Uh, what is the? What are we doing here? And then it turns out that they're doing a. They had this giant like international marketing summit. For Warner Brothers executives. So, all the marketing people from all over the world came together for this multi day summit and they wanted an interactive photographer for this dinner that they were having at uh, Uh. a place called Musso and Frank's, which is a like old school Hollywood joint here in like right on Hollywood Boulevard. And and I told them, I I looked at the website, I was like, this place is dark. And like, I do, I've done headshots, I do a lot of nature photography, and uh, but what I don't do is like event photography which is very like run and gun like if you miss it the first time there's no taking a shot again you know those kind of things and i and and my camera is not a low light camera so i told him i was like i'll do this but um but i need you to rent this you know sony uh ar seven three or mark four i think it was um a, and I was like, "You need to m- m- rent this camera for me, and 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 a prime lens, something that has a you know really fast yeah. lens." And they're like, "Okay," and I'm like, yeah, okay, great." And they're like, "What's your rate?" And I'm like, "Uh, well, for an actor, I'm like you know fifty bucks an hour minimum." <laughs> and they're like, "Uh," and they're like, "Oh, well, how about a hundred bucks an hour?" And I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> yeah. And so it was like, uh, for four hours worth of work, I got paid like four hundred bucks just to do this thing, and it was um, nice and. and, and I was worried because even even with a good low-light camera, it was really dark. And I told him this. I was, like, really upfront about it. I was like, look, this is still going to be. But the pictures were pretty good. And they were they were clear. They made it clear to me that they were like, it's more about having you be this old-timey look. Which wasn't even Chaplin. They just wanted an old-timey guy. So they actually nice. had me have this big bulb flash on it that didn't oh, work. excellent. It was just for the look of it. And... um it was a fun event. It was a fun Well, that's event. really cool. That was yeah. my big thing this week.
0: Nice. Oh. Well, cool. Uh, what do you say we get into it? Uh, let's change things love up a little. I would to get into it. Yeah, uh, you want to shake it up? Yeah, let's shake it up and do the movie first. <laughs> okay. The fun thing <laughs> about that is I cannot remember which one we did first last it week. It doesn't so... matter.
1: It doesn't matter. We shake yeah. it up every single week and up. do whatever we want yeah. first. Uh, yeah. So uh, the movie this week, I have been leading to this. We I have assigned you to watch uh, Mission Impossible Four: Ghost Protocol, starring the uh, venerable Tom Cruise and Simon Pegg is in it again, and uh, and it, it, it also Jeremy Renner, which is interesting because I think he was they were kind of grooming him to be to take over the series for Tom Cruise, like kind of expecting Tom to leave the series I think which is funny because it's the second series that they've done that to Jeremy Renner for they were also gearing him up to replace um Matt Damon in the Bourne series there's a there's a Jeremy Renner Bourne movie and um but uh Tom Cruise did not leave Mission Impossible and this is a notable movie because it is Brad Bird's first live action feature film. Uh we mentioned last week that Brad Bird is well known for directing Iron Giant before he went to Pixar and directed The Incredibles which is incredible and uh, then he also directed Ratatouille and which is, which is also, also just an amazing movie. Yeah. And so uh so this is the movie he did after that and uh I think it's wonderful i love i I went into all the reasons why last week but i love that it's got a lot of humor the um the the plans always kind of malfunction there's lots of improvisation in how they have to do things it's the action is kind of visceral and painful and you feel it even when you're just watching i watched it on my ipad and it was just like that that there's a sandstorm that happens in the middle of it and you're just like oh my god God, how how is all this done? And um, and I really enjoyed it. So uh, yeah, I think um, I think that's all I'm gonna say. What did you think of it? Well,
0: um, I did not like it as well as three. I'll, really? I'll start, yeah, I'll start there. So um, I had I had enjoyed three. I don't remember. Do you remember what my rating was for three? It was a seven or an eight. Uh, but yeah, I don't. yeah, it was which pretty good. It was. It was pretty yeah, good. it was a pretty good rating. I did not like it as well as three. Um, where do I want to start with this? I'll start with the big, okay, so the big scene where he climbs the outside of the tower, right? Uh Uh-huh, yeah. There was, there was a justification given for why he had to climb the outside of the tower, but it went by very quickly in a way that made me, I was very confused. I was like, wait, why does he have to go outside? What's happening right now? And, like, it was very impressive, right? Like... Tom Cruise climbing the outside of the Burj Khalifa, The Burj writing. Khalifa. Yeah. Like it it's impressive but it definitely left me going, "Wait, uh, why? Like it felt like because I didn't either I didn't catch or I didn't understand the explanation, it felt like, "Hey, we can go out on the outside of the Burj Khalifa. Let's do that." Right? Like it felt like a movie-making decision, not a not like a plot decision,
1: right? Well, I mean, of course it was, but also it felt very, I mean, look, action movies are, always have very flimsy reasons to do action. Uh, and uh, all, all you needed to know was they couldn't go in the inside, so they had to go through the outside. That seemed fairly reasonable. I, I'm, I'm surprised that you're getting caught up on this point at all.
0: Yeah, no. I I was I was bothered by it. I think because like it's such a centerpiece like you mentioned it. It's it's the thing that like if you're identifying which Mission Impossible movie it is to somebody who's doesn't know, you're like, "Oh, it's the one he climbs up the outside of the tallest building in the world," right? right. Um, you know, and and so for that to be so like my hands are waving. My hands are waving and he's outside, right? I I didn't like that, right? Um, okay. Let's go let's go to my probably my biggest problem with this movie. So the movie is called Ghost Protocol, right? Yeah. And for most of the movie, the fact that they are on Ghost Protocol is not relevant in any way. Right? Like he's got a team with him, he's got a bunch of resources from the IMF. Like the only the only things that really it affects are when they're Their face machine breaks down and then um, they have to have Simon Pegg do the hacking from the building rather than from across the world. Right. Right. Like that that did not feel like enough. Like, why is the movie called Ghost Protocol when it barely affects the plot in any way?
1: I mean I I disagree that it didn't but uh, okay Well I no I mean maybe I'm missing something do tell Well I mean, be, I mean you just said it right there like they, they it because they had to improvise so many things in their plans and 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 the all they had was one cache of supplies and uh, and so because of that they uh, the things that they were trying to do didn't work like the gloves were malfunctioning and the and the the, you know the climbing gloves and the and the the mask was not working and the you know they it just made everything more difficult and and i won't i'm not going to assign you the next movie because uh well because i didn't like it because the next movie kind of negates the whole well, I mean, and I guess everything's okay at the end of this movie. They they do such a good job that I'm sure that IMF is back in business. But in the next movie, all the gadgets are magical again. And all mm-hmm. the gadgets work as expected. And mm-hmm. it just, there's nothing really challenging to me about that. Where uh, as in this one, you do see a lot of that, uh, um, you know, we have to change what we're doing because we don't have any backup. We're, we're it. But also, he says it at the end. He's like, look, I mean... What, we didn't have anything but each other, and and we did it. Like, and I feel like that's a really cool feeling. That like it's kind of like what I felt. Um, did you see the first the, the the Chris Pine Star Trek movie? No. Chris. Oh well, there's a okay. Well, I won't go into it. But the, for for our viewers who probably have seen it, there's a thing where <laughs> um, it sets it's it's set in a different timeline, but it doesn't negate the Star Trek characters we know, right? It's it, they create a new timeline to have this, um, you know, Chris Pine Star Trek universe, but in that separate universe, that crew still ends up together on that ship and somehow makes all of Star Trek feel more important because of it. And so, um, or at least that original, you know, cast, the original series. And so, uh, this kind of felt like that too, like this team did so well against all odds. That uh, it, it it seemed that much more impressive because they were on their own. So
0: so so there's one more specific point I want to make, and then there's a general point that I want to make. The yeah. specific point I want to make is is I didn't really like the bad guy from this one. I mean, huh. he's coming. He's coming after Philip Seymour Hoffman, who say what you will about his Buffalo Bill impression, is an extremely menacing That's mem- just memorable. The way he talks. <laughs> Uh, is Look, extremely... He was in Patch
1: Adams as like a freshman in med school or something as a first year med student. And he still had that. He still had that little voice where he's, I'm going to uh, I'm your uh, roommate. Oh, go ahead.
0: And he, you know, he was a very memorable, menacing character. Sure, like, sure, he... sure. So, uh, yeah, in so... that
1: movie, it was about the actor playing the villain. In this one, it's about the villain and his intentions. Like the actor yeah. is a nobody I've ever seen before. So
0: Yeah. and And... So the villain in this movie, like none of his motivations really made any kind of sense to me. It was very much it was very much like like I want to blow up the world because I do. Right. And then it was like and he was like he was like, I'm I'm a Russian general, but I'm also a a, a Swedish general professor I, I can't remember there was like all this weird backstory about what he was and it like it was like i want to blow up the earth but Did i've also got like a, a the whole time year... you
1: were watching this movie not or at something? all i watched this movie closely yeah the, the, so... I so mean, all this is ex- all this is explained very well i mean like look i will say there are a couple things that i have nitpicks about this movie but none of them are these
0: well i think I mean, I think we have different opinions about movies, Travis. Obviously,
1: but... obviously we do, and I'm not so, going to be upset like I was with Spider-Man. I've learned my lesson. Uh, I, I am just surprised that I'm surprised that this one you didn't like as much as uh, Mission Impossible Three. So,
0: I guess what I'm saying about the villain in this is that it felt like they drew him to they like had a checklist of things that they wanted him to do and so they're like yeah he's a phd and he's got all this like military knowledge and you know like it was it just felt like this smorgasbord of things mashed together that doesn't add up to a person and then his motivation is is i want to start world war three because forget you all like it doesn't it just it didn't make
1: sense to me Okay, go ahead. Well, no, because his reasoning is that we the world is overpopulated and uh, and and all that overpopulation causes strife. And from his and like there is scientific evidence that that says like uh, when mass extinctions happen in the world, it allows new evolutionary advances to happen. Like you know we've had five or six mass extinctions, and 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 following. Is just a kind of a rebirth in, uh, 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 you know, of new life and new whatever. And so his logic, and it's crazy. He's crazy. It's very much like Thanos, who you don't know because you haven't seen. Uh, I do Avengers. actually. I do. I do know the plot of the movie. Yes. Okay, but it's very similar. Like you know, his his thing is in order to in order to save humanity long term, we need to have this culling and nuclear war is a is an instant fast way to do that and there's there's also other like allegories for that in pop culture famously in star trek in order to get the utopia that we see in star trek there is a third World War—that is a nuclear war—that that has to happen before humanity says, "Oh shoot, we are all the same people. We we're not we're not them. Uh, we're only us." And it's the nuclear war that does that. And so that's what this guy is thinking. That's what this you know bad guy is thinking. He's just he's just fanatical about it. And as we've seen, it's pretty easy for people to become fanatical about weird things. Right, we've seen that over the last several years in our own country. So, I don't know for this guy to be so smart.
0: Yeah, I got to admit, I did. I like it. Just didn't it didn't ring true for me at all. So that's interesting. Back to the to the general point that I want to make is yeah, I'm trying to help you understand like what it is about these things that I that I don't like, and mm-hmm. when a movie like this, so action movies require a suspension of disbelief and there's like always an accretion of small things that niggle at you and and that you have to sort of set aside and the problem for them is in a in a point that i often reach is is like once you reach the point where the movie has lost you it's lost you for good right so sure. like once I got to the point with this movie where I was like, oh, come on. Right? Like, once I reached that point, the, it could do no good in my eyes. I was like, okay. I, I, I was out. Right? So, like, when... I'm just surprised that it when when that, that, Russia that happened. When Russia launches a nuclear missile at the U.S., right? And there's no response whatsoever from NORAD... That's a problem for but me. But that's
1: the that happens in the last 5 minutes of the movie. So wh- No, 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 you... no.
0: I'm 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 just saying like like that is a thing that I would ignore if I if the movie hadn't already lost me, but the movie had lost me by that point. So I'm sorry when Russia launches like there are protocols. When Russia launches a nuclear missile, we launch 20 and they know that. We know and we know they know that. Like, that's how it works. That's how nuclear yeah. detente works. So for it to scrape the outside of the Trans America building in San Francisco is such a ridiculous outcome in that situation. That I like, I'm like, come on. Right? If he if they had done like a tight countdown to him preventing the launch of the missile, that's okay right i can get on i can get on board of that 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 is a thing that is within the realm of possibility but you cannot launch an icbm and have no response whatsoever from the united states
1: like that doesn't happen well i mean there are a couple of things about that missile launch that are uh, that are weird uh first of all the missiles generally don't um like nuclear missiles aren't designed to detonate on impact; They're, they detonate in the atmosphere to provide That's more true. damage. They yep. also have multiple warheads per missile, so that would yep. have broken apart into multiple warheads. Yeah, there are some things about that that are, um, and I agree. If you wanted it to be more factually accurate, it would have um, been better to to make the deadline earlier. I there's a part of me that there's a part of me that definitely agrees with you but there's also a part of me that really enjoyed seeing him fail to prevent the launch but still try to do something and yes in this world it needed to be that he could but like it was it was a subversion of expectations you know um that you may actually like mission impossible fallout which i think is six better in that regard because it has a little bit more like realistic kind of nuclear danger it's still a nuclear <laughs> bomb but it's kind of like a, a more realistically depicted um, it's
0: always a nuclear
1: bomb there was a uh, there is a couple of nitpicks like the nitpick i had was uh they are in uh they are in a train in russia that has just been attacked At the Kremlin, there is no way any train car gets out of that country. Like, they just kind of cut to Dubai, and then they're in Dubai. And I'm like, no, no. Uh, But, again...
0: I would say that Suspension that was, and yeah, but the, like that's one of the things that like builds up that you have to like, you have to just sort of skip over it and, you know.
1: Well, um, and you wouldn't even notice that unless you think about it too much. And I think one of the things that I, I love about this movie is that the action pieces, like it just keeps going and, and you get, you get amazing action piece and set, you know after after amazing action piece and it's like you know after the whole climbing up the Burj Khalifa which is crazy and then there's this whole like uh exchange of information versus diamonds and they have to do this whole thing which is I thought we really del- really well done then they run out into this giant sandstorm that he has to chase the guy down and that was just like oh my god that's incredible. I thought that scene was very clever the the dust storms
0: scene the different ways in which he had to track him, the different ways in which he had to figure out how to corner the guy i I think were that was that was really thought well thought out. I did not hate this movie front to back by any stretch of the imagination um I appreciated, like, much like the previous movie, I appreciated that the action scenes were understandable. I understood where people were in space and what they were trying to accomplish, which is always mm-hmm. important in action scenes. That it's not just people punching each other, that there's, or shooting at one another, but that there's something, you know, sensible going on. Yeah, and that which, was really good. Case... I, I wouldn't say this movie like overwhelmed me with the brad bird touches you know like i i yeah. like if you hadn't told me that this movie was was directed by brad bird i wouldn't have picked up on it now that's not to say that there weren't some times that i was like oh this yeah this particular like action sequence the way this is handled is handled exactly the way an incredibles action sequence was handled you know but Mm -hmm. i love the action sequences in the incredibles so you know that that was that definitely read for me um if we're contrasting with mi3 which i think was your intention yeah one of the things that mi3 did really really well but this movie i think failed at a little bit is conveying information during those extremely short down times in a way that the watcher can can make sense of because i agree with you i know that somebody thought about all the issues and and explained them but the dialogue came so thick and fast and they were so tense and so like amped up during the quiet moments that it was it just it was too much for me to process in the moment okay. and i just wasn't it so it wasn't that i was looking at my phone it was just it comes thick and fast and you have to like you have to pick up on what they're saying and why they're saying it very quickly well
1: i have seen this movie multiple times now and so maybe it's uh maybe it's that I have seen it multiple times and so I'm picking up on a lot of this the justification and all that stuff mm-hmm. that's going on. Yeah. So um it's it, actually it, I have a question for you.
0: Mm-hmm. I I don't I I never understood why they had to do the fake meat. The fake meat. Yeah, like they had they, they had, they set up two fake meetings between,
1: Oh, I thought like I was thinking like impossible burgers or something like that. No, um, no sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, where they had the different rooms uh yeah. Well yeah, I okay, didn't understand so why that was necessary. Is, yeah, the reason is is because they have to give. Um, they had to give a set of plans, so the 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 guy who was buying the launch codes from the assassin girl, right, needed to think that he had the launch codes and leave. But in order for so, they they both had to. The team, mi the MI team, had to get the launch codes and create facsimile launch codes that No, this I understood guy could what they were
0: him. doing, but I why did that's what I don't understand. Like why did he why did he have to leave? Like what was like why don't we just arrest this guy or shoot him or something?
1: Like he's I don't trying remember. he's trying to he's trying we, to start like if they there gave was a reason, but I don't remember what it was. Uh, yeah, if there was ever oh, a because situation he was leading to someone else. Oh, 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 no, because it wasn't they didn't know it was the head guy. They thought it was his henchman, remember? Yeah, I don't remember that. <laughs> they did, because the guy had a mask on. Yeah. During the sandstorm, Ethan yeah. ripped his mask off. Yeah. So it was, it was not supposed to be the head guy. They thought it was his henchman, and they needed the henchman to lead them to the head guy.
0: Okay, so that that does make sense, but again, like it, that information was conveyed so quickly. I mean,
1: uh, that it it just it it
0: was hard for me to follow. Yeah. Um, okay,
1: that's fair. I mean, it was conveyed, but I get that it was uh, a little hard to uh, hard to follow for you. That's 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 fine. Um, and, and and here's the other thing: the difference between this and Mi3 is that in Mi3, none of that mattered. Like this one is very like there's an actual plot and a, and a threat and the thing that's going to happen is dangerous in MI three. It was like, it was like the rabbit's foot was such a, um, uh, a, such a, a MacGuffin that it didn't matter to the plot. Whereas this one, the thing that's going to happen was consequential to the plot. That was a big difference between these two movies. And so you did need to understand, I think in part three, you didn't need to understand the, um, the, 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 uh, What's it called? The motivations? No, no, no. The the things the talky bits. Oh, <laughs> exposition. Exposition. Thank you. I knew it was an e word. Um, uh, you didn't need to understand the exposition to to enjoy the movie and the action bits, but this one you very much needed to get the exposition in order to be ju- feel that you understood the justifications for everything. So that's that makes sense. That's All that's right. a valid. Valid criticism. Yeah. The the uh, other thing that um, I
0: wanted to say I know, I know. We're gonna we're gonna get there. But I wanna say one thing, which is that if somebody is going to start World War Three and has the means to do so, that is the point at which you like shoot him and take your you know, you take your uh lumps for murdering somebody. Like, you know, I, I like Yeah, but if they talk about I know that, that too. somebody's gonna start World War Three. I I'm just gonna be in jail for the rest of my life. Cause, they talk
1: about that. Know. He's because he's not alone. He's part of a. He's part of an organization, and so they. Need yeah. To him alive. Whatever.
0: Whatever. That that's that feels like very hand wavy. That feels well, very hand
1: wavy. I mean, not really. Who who ever acts truly alone in this world? Okay. You know.
0: Well, anyways, I give it a five. That's the answer. Wow. All yeah.
1: right. All right. Damn. Well, this is my uh this is a this is a ten for me. This is there are some issues with me. Uh, there are a couple of issues that I found out, but um they were all negated. Yeah, by I thought a t- I thought a ten was a perfect acting. I thought a ten this was is a perfect movie. This is uh this is a perfect this is my favorite action movie. I can't justify giving it any less than a ten. All right, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well uh, let's uh, we are going long. Let's talk about Dua Lipa. Well, uh, speaking Tell of going out, no, um,
0: Dua, Dua Lipa. Lipa. Yeah, Dua Lipa is a pop artist. Uh, she is of Iranian and English or British extraction. Uh, she first came to popularity Ooh, about six years ago. And I put together a little playlist for you of some of her pop bangers. And I promised you a photo of me in drag, and I forgot to give it to you. But <gasps> oh. my, my first uh, public drag performance was to her song, New Rules. So, and I love this music because I enjoy it. Uh, like, I, like I, enjoy, um, I enjoy dance music, and I enjoy feeling good. And this is, this is by and large, feel good music.
1: Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. Uh, so you gave me a short playlist, by the way. It's uh, less than half an hour long. And um, I was a little surprised by that. But uh, it was enjoyable. And I was familiar with many more of the songs than I usually am in in our playlist, but not necessarily familiar that it was Dua Lipa. Okay, I, I was not really familiar with her specifically. That happens sure. to me a lot um, with musical artists. Uh, you know, I, I was aware of Lady Gaga's music before I was aware of Lady Gaga. I was aware of Sia's music before I was, a, you know, aware of Sia as an artist. Uh, um, and the same thing with this. I've heard her songs. In fact, uh, Physical was a song that we did a, a, when I was in Japan. One of the other cast members who was a dancer, when, when we were all shut down, she led a dance class. And we all learned this dance routine to physical. So, you know, about three years ago now, I heard that song over and over and over and over again for an hour. And so it was very much in my head. And I still love the song. I have been kind of humming that over the last, I think it's probably my favorite song of this um, playlist. And, um, but uh, here's my, so yes, lots of fun. I really enjoyed listening to it. It was uh, very much like I'd be walk- I'd be on the bike and i'd uh, uh, I'd be you know bopping along to these uh, to these songs. and uh one of the things that I didn't love, though, was that um, i I didn't feel like Dua Lipa was particularly oh unique. I guess. Like, I didn't think that there was anything about her voice that set her apart from any number of other pop, you know, act uh, pa- uh, artists uh, that we hear. And I, I kind of was disappointed by that. Like, she seems like a competent singer, but I think none of her singing came through in this playlist. And I wonder if she has like a song that's a really particularly good singing song. But you know how we've learned now that Lady Gaga is just a phenomenal vocalist and, uh, and Sia too, uh, just an amazing vocalist. I'm not getting that from Dua Lipa yet.
0: Yeah, no, I would not say that she's a super accomplished vocalist. She's a, I guess, a performer of songs, you would say. Um, Mm -hmm. She she does have a good and sort of unique voice. Um, It, like, uh, you know, it's funny because it's not like a standout voice or anything, but she's got a little bit of depth to her voice that uh, is a little unusual. And, um, yeah, but... I I totally agree with you that the attraction of this is not vocal gymnastics by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah.
1: Does she write her music, any of it, or, or is she just basically singing songs that are written for her? Do you know? So let me tell you that you asked me that
0: question last week, and you would think that I would have looked it up in the intervening time, but <laughs> I did not. And I feel a little bad about that, but... Uh, you know if she does write it, it's definitely with a uh, one of like a dozen songwriters, so that's kind of how songwriting works these days
1: yeah, yeah, um well, I mean she's certainly an attractive young woman um uh she 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 was born the year we graduated from high school, which uh makes me feel a little old but um yeah, I think she's I think she's fine. The songs were undeniably fun to listen to, and what's more, they will be added to my. Uh, playlist for parties and such and i am i do uh, uh again to to uh kevin navacek's point i am better for having listened to this particular playlist and now kind of connecting these songs with this artist um i don't particularly care about her the way i care about lady gaga or sia or 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 kylie minogue or you know those kind of artists that i that i like yet so right now i just like the songs kind of independent of who sang them does that make sense
0: it does i so if you if you like this and want to explore further um her album that was released in 2020 um which is called future nostalgia I would recommend mm-hmm. giving that whole thing a list. And I debated whether to give you that album or to give you a playlist. Then I decided to give you a playlist. Uh, yeah. But Future Nostalgia is front to back an excellent, excellent album that might it might give you a little deeper appreciation of her. Also, I looked yeah. it up while
1: you were talking. And yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, she does co-write most of her
1: stuff. Okay. So. Interesting. I, uh, I do think that... Um, Uh, I would be down to listen to an entire album of hers, uh, and I give you permission to assign that for me uh, on on a future episode. Probably not something I will just do, because I just don't listen to albums anymore. But uh, yeah, uh, I'm open to that. So uh, I don't know what else I can say about this, uh, well, I'd like to talk about physical just real briefly uh, yeah, because please. you mentioned it. Well,
0: I mean, it is of course a, a reference track, right? It's referencing the Olivia, Olivia Newton-John song "Let's Get Physical" yeah, from who the I early met '80s. Once, by the way. Well, congratulations, you lucky dog! It references that song, and it's funny because the first time you hear it, uh, it does sound like almost a pastiche of like early '80s dance pop. Uh, but it, there's a little bit of depth there and it's, and it is very listenable and, and it, uh, do, doesn't lean too heavily on the connection, but it's definitely there.
1: Yeah. I didn't really sense. I mean, other than maybe a passing reference, I didn't think it was like, I, I didn't think it was sampling from it or anything like no, that. No, it's, right? it's not sampling from original. it. It's just,
0: yeah, it's just like eighties dance pop electronica.
1: You yes. Know. Which of course yeah. that's right up my alley. Yeah. And I also so, like what's the, what's the clapping one? What's the the one with the clapping? Is that don't start now? I think so. Yeah. Or you had more to say about physical?
0: Oh no, no, I just wanted oh. to point out the Olivia newton John connection for anybody oh, yeah. who who missed it, and and or or anybody who thinks that's a cheesy connection. I'm telling you, I don't think it's a cheesy connection. I I think it's uh, it really works.
1: Yeah, I I mean I I, I thought it's a it's a great song. I had so much fun listening to it. Um. What's is it the uh, I don't know what the what the what's the clapping one?
0: <laughs> I don't know what the clapping one is,
1: it's not hand clap because we did that a few weeks ago. Uh, yeah, no, we this did. was anyway, there was a it's a good beat, and I just remember it's one of those songs where every time you listen to it, you can't help but um, but clap with it. Well, like on the
0: I'll tell you the truth. I love hand claps in music and in all, all in many different genres. And mm-hmm. I, I, when I'm writing songs, I'm always striving to include hand claps because I think they're fun.
1: Yeah, me too. So here's one thing I will say about this before I rate it. Uh, I listened to this playlist three times at least. Oh my goodness! Which is more than I usually do, but it was so short and it was so fun. Uh, but I will say, by the third time through. I was getting a little bored of some of the tracks. Mm,
0: that's
1: fair. Um, which is uh, which surprised me because the first time through, they're all just like, as you say, just pop bangers, and they're you know they're just they get you moving. Uh, but uh, I, I was I was getting a little played out, um, and maybe it was just too much in in too short a time. But yeah, I just thought that I thought that was interesting. Uh, I'm yeah. gonna give this. It's interesting. I'm gonna give this uh, playlist a uh, just a. A really good, I was going to say seven or eight. Um, But I think I would give Dua Lipa, from what I know of her so far, because I just kind of found it a little bit um, generic. uh, Wonderful, but, uh, I don't know, uninspired somehow? Um, Yeah, I'm just going to give it a seven. A seven. All right. Yeah, I think a seven is fair. Okay. Uh, for this particular
0: playlist, I would give this an eight. Um, I think the future nostalgia album, I would probably give a nine to, but I'm an album guy. Well, I'm a, I'm an album guy, right? I like that sort of long form thing, which you're not as much into. Um, and I, depends on the album. Yeah. An album that holds together is really, uh, an amazing feat and I'm into
1: it. So yeah, me too. Uh, Me too. All right. all right well uh there we go <laughs> yeah there pretty we good, go pretty good um uh, do you know what you're going to assign me next i did I, I did peek a little bit uh a little oh, bit of a playlist look? in there
0: yes i, I did peek. i did make the playlist public because you never look ahead but the answer is uh hard rock uh, not really alternative but uh hard rock uh, stalwarts. stall where it's the killers are you familiar with the Killers?
1: I have heard of them, but I don't know that I'd ever listened to them.
0: They have a few wildly popular songs. Uh, The first two songs on this playlist uh, are, um, oh my gosh, I forgot what they're called. I forgot the names of the songs. Mm -hmm. Mr. Brightside. And when you oh, were oh, I young. know the I yeah. know Mr.
1: Brightside. Mr. Sure.
0: Brightside and when you were young. So Mr. Brightside is off their first album. It was a huge hit. Uh, when you were young uh, is off their second album and was a huge hit. I sprinkled some other tracks in here. It's uh, longer than the Dua Lipa playlist, but not too much. And was yeah. uh, thirty four minutes. Pretty good. Yeah, they're a band out of Las Vegas. Uh, they've really got, they've, yeah. I thought for right. some reason
1: I thought they were. Uh, I just assumed they were European or, like, British or something.
0: Huh. Yeah, yeah. They they do have sort of an aesthetic about them. Um, I don't know. Are you familiar with Muse at all, by the way? Uh,
1: I, I don't. I mean, no. Okay. Are so you, I would. You, I, is it a, I don't know what you're even talking about. Muse is, it is a, a, a band. band. Okay. Muse is a band. I'm um, not familiar with Muse the band. But.
0: But I would put them in sort of a, a adjacent to one another in the rock spectrum. Okay. And, and so, uh, and they are British, I believe. Gosh, now, okay. now, now I'm going to sound like a real asshole if, uh, if a, now is another one to bleep. Uh, a real, <laughs> a real, a real butthead if, uh, if uh, Muse isn't British. But yeah, there is a, there is a sensibility there for sure. All right. Do you All have right. anything for me?
1: I do, and uh, I thought it would be safe to go back to a um, a, uh, a comedy uh, from our action because I've I've had good luck with you uh, with comedies, and I was a little bit torn because there is a um, especially with Easy A being such a successful uh, movie for you and me that uh, there was another high school comedy that came out a couple of years ago that I was I had to be taken to. Is not something I would have necessarily seen on my own, but I really loved the experience of watching it, and this is maybe 2019, maybe 18, and I think it's time to watch it again. It's a movie called Booksmart. Have you seen it? Oh, I have seen Booksmart. It's so good. It's a movie called Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I've
0: not seen it. <laughs> okay,
1: so uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is not a high school movie. Wait, can we talk I'm about Booksmart real seen quick? Though Booksmart.
0: No, see, this is the danger that you that you have if you start doing high school movies. Is that is right up my alley. And so, if I have seen a few movies over the last few years, it's things like that. Yeah, no, I love books. All right, well, I, I guess no, I'm
1: not shocked, but I'm surprised. Um, but I'm glad that you've seen it because it is a it is a great movie. And I feel like was it it felt like a flash in the pan where it was like really big for a short amount of time. Yeah, and then I haven't heard anybody talk about it since. So, but I'm going to have you watch uh, an action comedy, okay? Then, uh, called Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and uh, this is a movie that was written and I believe directed by Shane Black, who was a very popular writer. Uh, in the, he did uh, he wrote uh, the Lethal Weapon movies, or at least the first few. Uh, so he's, he's very big as a writer, and and then started directing some stuff, with mixed results. I think this is his best. Directorial movie, and I think might be his first. But it stars Val Kilmer and uh, 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 Robert Downey Jr. As, what year does this come out? Oh gosh, uh, I don't know off the top of my head. It's older, uh, approximately it's maybe early two thousands. I would say. Oh, I would okay. say. I would say maybe two thousand. Uh, if I'm going to guess, two thousand five. Let me just real quick. Oh my god, I was so right. Kiss two thousand nice uh, yes. and five, um, yes, and so it stars uh, yes, as I said, uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer as a like a a, a a really interesting buddy pair, mismatched people. I don't know. I do. You, you just that's all I'm gonna say about it. Okay. I I went into this movie very blank when i watched it for the first time uh like a, kind of a blank slate and um and really was delighted by it so i'm interested to watch it again i will watch it again with you and um and we'll see how we like it next week awesome well thank you travis for exposing yourself to me well thanks for exposing yourself to me matt it was good to see you again yeah good to see you have a good week all right you too bye If you would like to get a hold of us or tell us how you, what you think, we want to hear what you think about the movies that we're watching and the the artists that we're listening to. So please email us at uh, uh, exposingourselvespodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook at Exposing Ourselves and let us know what you think there. It's always a
0: nuclear bomb.